let's get ready for work. Occupational identity is actually the new way of workforce and career development and the new lens that is needed, particularly to combat some of the biases that underrepresented populations experience in the workplace. Chelsea Williams of Reimagine Talent Co. helps us discover the role of occupational identity for career pathway success with tips for job counselors, educators, and employers alike. Ready for Work is a podcast powered by ACT, showcasing excellence and innovation throughout the workforce ecosystem. Jason Jones hosts this journey with trends and ideas to help your region's workforce reach its highest potential. Let's get ready for work. On episode 33 of Ready for Work, we caught up with Chelsea Williams at Reimagine Talent Co., If Chelsea's voice is familiar, you might recall her Fred talk at our most recent ACT Workforce Summit. Her presentation was so well received that we wanted to dig deeper with Chelsea's insights on how working learners can overcome obstacles when launching career pathways. Personal journeys through education and career pathways are often filled with challenges and obstacles, making progress difficult and compromise frequent. Chelsea, what are the roadblocks early career professionals need to conquer? Oh my goodness. I thought about a few that would be most helpful for this audience. First, and we're going to talk about it more at length in the interview, occupational identity. This conversation around, can I see myself in a particular job role, industry, sector, function is huge, particularly when we talk about students of color, when we talk about collegiate women or young women, particularly when we talk about immigrants, that's a short list. But when we talk about the breadthness of next-gen talent, depending on their experience and identity, this concept around seeing yourself in a particular sector could be challenged. Example, if we're talking about tech, if we're talking about entrepreneurship, if we're talking about science and engineering, some of these spaces and sectors where we know that representation across these dimensions of diversity might be quite small. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for practitioners and professionals to help build that confidence in the next gen to pursue careers that they otherwise would not have thought about or have someone in their family or network who's in that space. So that's one. Two, this concept of career exploration, what actually exists? And I believe that that actually connects in with the occupational identity conversation, particularly knowing that our workforce and our workplace is changing. Many would say that the changes in the marketplace and the workplace over the past two years has been more significant than in the last decade. I do think the question about what careers are available for me today in 2022 and which ones are going to emerge in the next decade is an important one for students to understand. And so the more that we can create opportunities for career exposure, exploration, the more that we can partner with companies that are leading in spaces like environmental sustainability or data science, some of these cutting edge sectors is going to help us provide that exposure that's necessary. And then I think I have a third that I'll share in the interest of time. And it's around what I call myths about majors. And for those who choose the college pathway, for many students and early career professionals, they feel really married to their major. If I studied journalism, if I studied economics, that's what I have to do. I have to spend my life in this space. And so I think there's an opportunity. And I know a lot of the early career professionals we've engaged with at Reimagine Talent say, I might have studied journalism, for instance, or economics, for instance, 
And I enjoyed my major, but that's not actually the industry or sector or role that I want to have when I graduate. How do I pursue something different? How do I leverage what I learned and gained from my four-year degree, but also explore a new pathway? And I think the more that we can help students understand that a major is just an additional opportunity and skill development and experiences, the more that we can help them really help to calm their ease that their major dictates their career pathway and success. A quote from Maya Angelou comes to mind. You can't be what you can't see. Chelsea, does this approach help us demystify occupational identity? Love, love it. You said it perfectly when you brought up, if I can't see it, I can't be it. And through our workforce development solutions at Reimagine Talent Co., we have heard that from Chicago to New York City to Raleigh, North Carolina, we hear students say, I'm interested in this pathway. I know that it is a growing sector or industry. Take data science, take environmental sustainability. But Chelsea and team, how do I even navigate that career pathway without someone to guide me? I don't even know where to start. And so I think the occupational identity conversation historically hasn't been a part of career development. We often focus on the skills that are necessary. Maybe we help with internships or resumes and cover letters, but we haven't necessarily drilled into the identity experience for young people and how that shapes vision around career. And so I think this is where it comes to us. I I believe, and this is how we do things at Reimagine Talent Co. We start with the student. We start with self. We start with values. We start with formative experiences. We start with really getting to the mission and the why. And then we go into the skills that are necessary. We provide exposure to the professionals and help to build it. Because if we're doing the reverse and we're going just to skill or just to even resumes and interviews, we're missing the authenticity and the personal piece and the vulnerability that's necessary for young people to share their fears and worries that they're going to be up against if they get into the workplace anyway. And so it's beneficial for us to go ahead and help to ease their journey there. So I believe occupational identity is actually the new way of workforce and career development and the new lens that is needed, particularly to combat some of the biases that underrepresented populations experience in the workplace. You're listening to Ready for Work from ACT. Ready Ready for for work. Work. Chelsea, can you give us an example of how an organization would support the early career professional? Absolutely. And if you don't mind me just sharing it, what you said made me think about one of the organizations I love and we partner with is Girls Who Code. The powerful work they're doing, trying to amplify the number of women who graduate with a computer science degree and then go on to be computer scientists, which we know that that there's so much area of opportunity that's necessary in that space. And I think about one of the most powerful initiatives they have that's known as their College Loops program. And it is basically alumni association of Girls Who Code. So they start their programs K-12 and then they have students who can continue on to college. And they started their college alumni program simply for the point that they realize women navigating through their college experiences may have the best professors, the best curriculum, the best internships. But if they don't have that sense of community and support and just the the power of sisterhood (laughs) navigating through this new space for many, many young women, it can be really difficult. And so College Loops really is that bridge and that safe space where women who are studying computer science at colleges and universities across the country get that 
support to be able to really sustain and matriculate with the degree, but then graduate and go off to the tech companies we know and, and, and love with the confidence that's necessary to actually do well in their early career years. So that's just an example so people can think about what that looks like in practicality. It helps to consider workplace standards that matter most for nurturing early career professionals. How might we measure success both in education and the career pathway? Oh my goodness. I think there's a lot of things. I think that this is an area where we are still evolving, if I'm honest with you. I think first about assessments more broadly and how we start to broaden the assessment and exploration of career fields. We have certainly partnered with Meyer Briggs Super Strong. That's one that we've used that's been helpful. But I think we've got some really powerful tools like Capfinity to help support students in college in exploring careers and identifying their strengths and skills and then helping them to build capacity to even navigate through the internship process, to even be able to navigate through that first career and that first job. So that's what it looks like in terms of one practical assessment platform. And then I think second, Second, NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, their employability standards they release every year. And their employability standards are eight foundational characteristics, I would say, or skills that they have kind of deemed to be critical for employers. This is everything from communication, teamwork, diversity, equity, and inclusion has just made their list as a skill for students. Problem solving. I'll drop that in the show notes so people can see that. When we're talking about metrics, again, they went to employers across the board. They went to career services centers across universities and said, what do we believe are the skills and competencies necessary for 2022 plus? And these eight competencies made the list. And so I think it becomes incredibly important for us to know the skills and then to be able to think about if we're in middle school or high school and we're seeking to build capacity early, how are we starting to integrate into the classroom, building this skill of teamwork, building the skill of communication, building the skill of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Because those, if we know what employers are looking for, we just have to make sure that students are aware and that we are building them into the programs, policies, and practices that we offer. So those are just two practical examples that I would share with you. Ready for work. Amplifying voices of excellence in the workforce ecosystem. Aligning our measurement systems with employer standards is the secret sauce that many programs miss. What are other tools that you recommend to improve outcomes? Yes, yes. It's a great question because I think we're all asking the question around outcomes these days. I think about a few in particular. I'm really loving organizations, ed tech organizations that are popping up to provide sector and industry specific development with ready certificates at the end of the program. I'm thinking about one particular organization called Viable EDU, and they focus on helping prepare the next generation of financial services leaders, literally working with high schools and working with colleges. And I love this because they have gone specifically into an industry or sector, financial services, financial markets. They've spoken with your bankers, financial advisors, et cetera, and asked, what do we need to prepare future finance leaders for success? And they've sat down with practitioners and professionals and asked them the questions. Then they've gone and built this series, this educational learning series that gives you a certification at the end to help students get those real skills that are going to help them thrive. And so when I think about improving outcomes, 
I think about the need to be specific and tangible and to work with practitioners in fields to be able to identify the current needs and then work backwards to create the learning tools to help students to get there. There's so many different organizations that offer that, but that's one practical example I would give. Second, And this is one of the things I'm most proud about at Reimagine Talent Consulting, our firm. We in the workforce development space have worked over the years to create our conscious career curriculum. And again, it is speaking to some of the things that have been discussed in this session, occupational identity, helping students to build social capital and relationships and helping students to be able to think about career and purpose, because we know Gen Z care deeply about social impact. And so we have created this curriculum that we really use in support of nonprofits, education institutions, and corporations to help students build those leadership and interpersonal skills. We are covering topics like personal branding, cultivating relationships in hybrid environments, what advocacy looks like in the workplace, how do we support onlys in the workplace? And so students are getting what I call the non-traditional career development workshops and sessions that are going to really help them to build the skills necessary to combat some of the challenges that today's workforce and workplace are really presenting job seekers and professionals alike with. I'm really excited for us to be able to continue to share that curriculum with partners across the country who want to take career development to level 2.0. What advice would you offer employers directly? on their roles to support early career professionals. Yes. Oh, goodness. We don't have the whole day to talk about this. This is really a loaded conversation. Again, I think the employer opportunity in 2022 looks very different than it's ever looked before. I think about this concept of employer brand. I think about this concept of technical and interpersonal skill development and the integration of both. I think there's even this third piece that we haven't even scratched the surface on, which is around leadership and how we are building leaders that we need for today. But for the purpose of this conversation, one thing I would want employers to understand is that recruiting is just the first step. And I'll say this, and we've talked about this, recruiting is often the easiest part of the journey. When we start to talk about development and retention, which is really one of the biggest conversations taking place in workplaces today, that's where the real work happens. I think when we talk about early career recruitment, college recruitment, whatever we want to call it, of course, there's a new way that we need to reach collegiate students and Gen Z more broadly. But if we just stop at our recruiting approach, we're missing the pipeline development that again, is the challenge we're experiencing in the workplace. And so I think that organizations must start to think and rethink everything from what is the experience that early career professionals have once they get to our organization, everything from rotational programs and initiatives, really rethinking exposure that happens in those early years, everything around mentorship, defining mentorship for the new age, but then also really reimagining mentorship. You know, one way that people are doing that these days is through reverse mentorship. I don't know if folks have heard the term traditional mentorship, as we know, looks different. It could be sharing a book or, or article with a young person. It could be a job shadow opportunity. It could be simply connecting to a professional in the sector industry they're interested in. But reverse mentorship means no matter our generation or our age, we're learning from one another. What can the Gen Zer learn from the boomer or the Xer or the millennial, right? And so I think that organizations who are rethinking mentorship is one really powerful opportunity, especially when we talk about cultural differences. Building the bridge across generation, but also building racial bridges or sexual orientation bridges, whatever could be you know important to people. Third, 
competitive pay and benefits offerings. Because the benefits and resources that, again, a boomer or a Gen Xer may find important or necessary for their stage in life is likely different from what today's college student, today's graduate wants. And we're seeing that. We're seeing organizations start to say, we completely have to rethink our benefits. We need to make sure we're thinking about wellness and mental health. Like, how do we actually create and expand our resources to take into consideration impact of the pandemic, impact of racial injustice and social injustice more broadly, and then just in general burnout from being in front of our computers, you know, for school and work, you know? So those are just a few that I would offer for that particular question. As we wrap up, Chelsea, give us a preview of what's on the horizon for supporting early career pathways and how our listeners may follow your work. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much again for the invitation to be here with you on the ACT Workforce podcast. I want to thank you for your leadership. We had a chance to connect last year at the summit. And so it's just great to be an awesome company. Oh, for sure, Chelsea. It's exciting to expand the thought leadership on career navigation. I'm super excited to share that Reimagine Talent Co. is officially launching now in Q1 2020-2022. We were originally College Code. Some of you probably will remember that because that was our name as we engaged ACT for the first time last year. And our mission is simple. It's to bridge the critical gap between educating the next-gen workforce and empowering conscious organizations with the capacity to center equity and inclusion as a forethought. You can learn more on our work at www.reimaginetalentco.com. We'll share that in the share notes. And you can subscribe for monthly insights, tools, and events that we'll be offering. Second, I'm super excited to share that I'll be launching a course for practitioners on how to develop and retain early talent. It will launch in Q2 of 2022. And so if you'd like to stay abreast leading up to the official course, you can text Reimagine Talent, all caps, to 55444. And that'll just get you on our email list and you'll be the first to know when the course enters into the digital world. Chelsea, thank you for joining us on Ready for Work. Thank you so much. Chelsea mentioned several resources that we've linked to our show notes for episode 33, including Chelsea's organization, Reimagine Talent Co., the employability targets from the National Association of Colleges and Employers, and Viable EDU for the financial services sector. The navigation of career and education is one of four domains in ACT's holistic framework. More than five decades of research helps define next-generation standards for measuring readiness. We'll include a link in the show notes as well for ACT's holistic framework. You may recall Chelsea's mention of the ACT Workforce Summit in late 2021. As we publish episode 33, we are excited to announce the return of an in-person lineup for the 2022 ACT Workforce Summit. The New Orleans French Quarter provides a great backdrop for the theme, Work Smarter. Learn more online at act.org forward slash Workforce Summit and make plans to join us October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Ready for Work is a service from your friends at ACT, a mission-driven nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people achieve education and workplace success. Discover more online at act.org slash Ready for Work podcast. Now, let's get to work. work.